Podbn. 2021 election edition of Podbn continues with Kimberly Cummings running for re-election to the normal town council. Elections are on April 6th. Mark your calendar. Make a plan to get there. Early voting is also available. So make a plan. Get out. Elections are important here. Going to tell you a little bit about Little Beaver Brewery. So, Little Beaver Brewery has a beer called Brain Magic, which is a double dry, hopped, hazy IPA, hazy India Pale Ale. I am on a real hazy IPA kick because um, IPAs, regular IPAs, are just a little bit too bitter for me. It's uh, not to my liking. I know it'll make some people mad when I say that. It'll make some people mad that I actually drink any kind of IPA because there's some IPA haters out there because they like their beers not to have flavor. There's also people who swear by the regular IPAs, but I really like a hazy IPA. What happens with that is that there is a change in the brewing technique and usually some juice add to it, and that really cuts those bitter tones with a little bit of sourness and sweetness, and man, it goes down so smooth. It is just, uh, if you're just looking to drink something that's got a great amount of flavor and enjoy what you're drinking, I love a hazy IPA. There's also another kind called, oh man, Magic, I just saw this, haven't seen this one before, Magic Mango Inferno, ooh, it's like a spicy hazy IPA, alright, I'm getting that next time I go, there's so many to choose from here, I don't have time, go online to lilbeaverbrewery.com and check out what they have to offer, they're always adding new flavors and new experiences, there's 24 beers on tap over at the brewery. Little Beaver is sold at many locations locally that you can go and also purchase it at, either in cans or at a restaurant. Little Beaver Brewery, sponsor of Pod BN Election Edition. Three, two, and one. All right, welcome to Pod BN. This uh, episode of Election Edition, we are joined by Kimberly Cummings, normal town council person, and now candidate again, because you're running again, right? So... Kimberly, welcome to PodBN. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. Yeah. We start off, just tell our listeners a little bit about you, how long you've been on council, um, kind of what, you, what you're involved in in the community. Sure. Well, I have lived in the community since 2012. Um, so it's been nine years. Goes by fast. Um, I've been on council almost four years. That will be four years in May. Um, As far as my involvement in the community, it's a lot. (laughs) Um, I currently am a member of NAACP, um, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Um, I have also, since being on council, has served uh, with Women in Municipal Government, also known as WIMAGE, um, the National Black Caucus for Local Elected Officials, which is the NBC Leo. Um, In the past in the community, I have served as a board member for the YWCA. I have also been on the Children's Discovery Museum board and I have certainly done a lot of volunteer work from Midwest Food Bank to uh, Women Build. Uh, So I've always been invested in this community since I've been here. Yeah, that's that's quite a long list for nine years, too. You got to think you've only been in in the community for nine years. That's pretty good. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I, I do like to always remind listeners, just because we are interviewing candidates from both Bloomington and Normal, that Normal, unlike Bloomington, is an at-large race. So you are running not in a specific area of Normal, but to represent the entire town of Normal. So um, with that being said, let us know why you've decided to run for a second term uh, on Normal Town Council. What, what is this? Do you have anything that you haven't done in the past that you still want to accomplish? Anything you want to build on? Why put yourself through another campaign and another job for four years? Uh, you know, people keep asking that question. And there are some very poignant things that are in my wheelhouse that I would like to see continue. Uh, first of all, our, our continued growth in economic development. I think that is so vital and I want us to continue to work in that vein. I also want to watch, watch us grow in a community that is more diverse and inclusive. Um, and so I started work in that area by creating the racial equity summit. Um, want us to certainly continue in that way. Um, every community has a potential to be the, the city that's on the national news with some of the racial equity issues. But un unless we continue to keep, keep it at a forefront and continue the conversations, um, that's what helps us prevent being that city. And so that's still there. I am still working both locally and at um, a national level um, for more equitable, diverse housing. And what will that look like in the future? Um, and so that's providing housing for every level um, of income as well as, you know, that new college graduate who may not want a four or five bedroom house, but maybe a small condo um, that they can afford, you know, considering having lots of um, college debt, you know, uh, or, you know, from trying to get a degree or that um, elderly couple who wants to downsize. They've lived in the, their family home all these years and, you know, can no longer um, keep up with, you know, the maintenance and everything that comes with the house. And so they want to downsize. And so I would like to see our community be able to um, make those things available to all levels. The, I think the other thing that really pushed me to run is seeing where we are with COVID-19 um, or the pandemic. And so the recovery and how we recover is going to be important. And I certainly wanna make sure that I'm at the table. Um, I know that I wanna to continue to be at the table within the consortiums that I'm already a part of to make sure that we are in the forefront for getting the resources here in our community, um, as well as making sure that every facet of our community um, is uh, looked at and addressed so that there's recovery for all um, post the pandemic. Well, uh, Kimberly, normally we, I, I ask candidates what's their priority issue, but you kind of laid out a perfect roadmap. I think we have the next hour of conversation here. So let's just uh, kind of go down the order you said. I, I heard you say first the uh, uh, economic development is is a, a key component. Um, clearly, in the last four years with Rivian, with Brandt, with some of the other um, companies and groups that have come to town, there's been some, some pretty substantial economic development uh, happening in the community I'm sure you're very proud of. Um, are there any specifics or any any items going forward that uh, voters should should think about that's in your mind that here's here's an opportunity or here's something we should be pursuing or, or should be to move our town to that next level? Absolutely. I think we have to get it to a place where we are more diverse in our portfolio. 
Um, we have always been the known for higher education, having ISU, and we've been known for insurance, um, having State Farm, because regardless, Bloomington Normal is always seen, especially in economic development, as one whole. Um, but I think what you're starting to see is that diversification, and I'm hoping that citizens be more open. Um, we know, and um, City H has talked about it, Mackenzie Corverly has written about it, that the diversification of the economic development portfolio is crucial, and the two areas are growing the most is in techno, um, you know, information technology, IT, um, specifically more so in the data field, which you'll see a lot of that in a place like Rivian, who needs data um, and open data at that for what they're doing. Um, and so that's going to be crucial, not to mention, the, they said the medical field, that's the other field that is going to be crucial. So we don't know. And, and I think people, when people automatically think of medical field, they only think of hospitals and there's so many components and we're learning, I, I think more now with the pandemic than ever, um, all the different facets of the medical field and their importance. And so we have to be open and willing to, um, embrace that diversification and be ready for them. That means and includes um, beginning to build out our infrastructure a little bit more. So when these businesses are here, are ready to develop here, it's there for them. Um, understanding that we are now within a culture, not just in our community, but across this country where economic development incentives are really one of the things at on the table always, you know, there's not a developer who doesn't come with that question, um, especially when they're bringing a major project forth. Um, so we have to begin to, to change, you know, I won't say change our thinking, but try to assuage people to understand that we're living in a, a, in a different time and, and things have changed. And what does that mean in bringing in de economic development and specifically diverse economic development? I want to touch on a few things you said there, building in, having infrastructure and building, expanding on infrastructure to be ready for uh, future businesses to come in. What does that look like? Um, where are Yeah. Expand on that a little bit for me. Sure. So infrastructure is a couple of things. Um, when we talk about infrastructure, certainly making sure that our roads are ready, um, you know, because we have places that haven't been built out or areas within town that haven't been built out. Um, having waterways, you know, our our underground waterways ready to go. Um, but also, you know, one thing that we talk about, and especially because I'm a part of the National League of National League of Cities Federal Advocacy Committee for Community and Economic Development, when we talk about infrastructure and we when we have advocated for infrastructure at the national level, um, we've also included workforce development. Um, and so when we talk about infrastructure, yes, we talk about those things, but we add workforce development, meaning is that workforce available and in place that when a business comes in or, you know, entire community, they have a workforce already there. And a lot of them, that's what they look for before they take root into a community. And the other thing I want you to touch on is the incentive part, because that's when any time that word comes up in, in, in local government, it's, it becomes a controversy. So uh, talk through maybe some of the uh, economic incentives normal has done in the past that you think has been a success. Um, and if there are any failures, by all means, please, please bring those up, too. And how do you see economic development incentives uh, being shaped for the future? What how are they going to be put together to incentivize the, the right kind of businesses to come to town? Yeah, so our economic development incentives, well, there's multi 
pieces to this for sure. Um, first thing is we have both the opportunity zones, which is something that is also aided through the federal government. And then you have your TIFs, which are also aided through state government. Um, and so with those, they those were an opportunity for us to take um, potential areas that we're not going to have any movement and bring forth movement in them. And so they, there's already legislation laid out on what can be done with those and how you navigate through those. Additional incentives that our town has also always tried to do was take a look at what um, we would be able to help with, but it also came with a performance. Um, we just didn't, you know, it's always that misconception that we just hand out money. And that's another thing. The town never cuts a check. Uh, you know, it's usually something that's rebated or we discount. Um, you know, we've done incentive plans where infrastructure, which is more of the roadway, waterway um, type of infrastructure wasn't available. Um, and so we said here, instead of paying this full cost, let's meet halfway on the cost of this particular project. Um, but once again, it's one of those things, understanding what it yields, having um, a better understanding of what the project is. I think what's to come out of incentives is looking at a more universal approach. Um, in the past, it has seemed more as a one-off because most businesses don't ask for them. Um, and then a lot of times it's not mutually beneficial for um, a lot of, for a, an incentive plan. Once again, because it has to show that there's some performance level involved. You know, what is the yield or the ROI for the town in doing so? So your typical small business typically won't ask for an incentive plan, um, unlike a more larger uh, company or business. So I think to have a more universalized approach, since we now are beginning to grow more in economic development, and we know that more businesses are going to ask for it, kind of have that layout is what's to come in for the future for our community. Is there currently, or should there be, um, any kind of in already built-in economic incentive for some of the smaller businesses? Because I agree with you that it's usually the larger businesses asking for it. And I think a large part of that is because they have the resources to put together the presentations and the data to show you what the ROI is. You know, that small business that's owned by husband, wife, or, or what have you, they don't have the resources to put that together. So they're not going to go and give you a presentation and ask for it. So is there anything in place now, or should there be something in place where we can incentivize some of those local small businesses, especially after COVID, to start spurring up again? Um, you know, I think that's conversations we've have had. Um, what what that will look like in the future and how do we actually or how are we actually able will be probably different. I think we've learned something, especially from the grant process um, through the pandemic that maybe it won't necessarily be a quote unquote incentive, but maybe a grant opportunity if you're looking if you're looking to grow your business kind of thing. I think there'll be probably more conversations in the future about doing stuff like that with small businesses. Um, and, and certainly, like I said, pandemic has taught us new things. I think we never thought of ways before to be of help to small business in that vein. Um, and I think we might lean more towards that. The, the thing with also with small businesses, they run the gamut too. Um, you have small businesses that are typically ran out of homes versus, you know, having um, an actual 
physical locale. Um, so there's so there's so many pieces to that. But I, I do think that will also probably be more of the conversation. How do we give our small businesses a boost or an aid in their growth and development in the community? Yeah, and I think I think COVID gives a great opportunity to um, make that digestible for the public too, um, because they're gonna they're gonna see COVID as uh, something that we need to recover from because it is, and so to incentivize a small business, and, and I am speaking off the cuff, so I'm not laying down policy or anything, but like to be able to say. You know, hey, if you've lived in the community, if you've lived in normal for at least, you know, two years and you want to start a business and you're going to take over a established uh, vacant property, we're going to, you know, eliminate this fee or this tax on you for X amount of time. And just being able to do that uh, to help spur some of that local small business drive, I think, could be popular as well. And. And, and I just want to highlight, I mean, you, you're making a good point here that I, I appreciate when you're talking business instead of you're not just talking about attracting new businesses from outside of the community, which I, I think we all agree is vitally important, right? That we, we need to be doing that, bringing outside money into the community. But you're specifically highlighting it, unless I'm hearing it wrong, also looking at the existing businesses here to help them get the next step or somebody like Justin saying that wants to take a, a local risk as a new business. Um, you're not just Absolutely. limiting it in, in one area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, you know, there's a couple of businesses that certainly um, have benefited from in some kind of way, having some some help, not the same as an incentive plan. But when you look at the steel um, and their their level of growth that they have had within the community um, and, you know, there's things we've worked with them, not quite that incentive plan, but we have done different things to work to help with that growth and development. Um, even more recently, OwnFit, um, they took one of a small space that we kind of used as like a hub place for a quick small startup pop-up shop. And now she's grown to where she's able to buy a bigger space. Um, and so we want to see more of that. And once again, how does that look? Um, what does it, do we call it an incentive plan? Is it more of a grant? Um, finding more spaces that we can utilize in the community for stuff like that. Uh, I think that's going to be at the forefront of the conversation as we move forward. But we, that's, those are the awesome stories of our community. And I think that we have a, you know, during pandemic, people have created some amazing businesses, some amazing small businesses. Um, and a lot of them are still in their homes and some of them are waiting for opportunity to go looking for space. Um, and so I think we're just at the, the the brink of something great in our community. Taking a, staying on economic development, but perhaps uh, going away from small business a little bit. I, I When I was, I, I'm trying to put together the year, but I think it was at least three maybe even four years ago when I was on the Chamber of Commerce board, I remember talking about this, a sports complex. And uh, I always like to bring up things that, you know, I keep hearing about, but haven't seen happen yet. So I like to, that's a theme I like to do. And lately there has been a little bit of traction on sports complex. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Is that something that could be an economic driver? Is that something that the town uh, could uh, help incentivize? What are your thoughts on that um, as, as we roll out? Oh, absolutely. The sports complex um, certainly will be an economic driver and it brings new business, what we like to call new business within um, the community. So people who don't necessarily live here will shop here, um, stay at the hotels here and things of that nature. Um, I think, you know, things don't move as fast as we like to in government. Um, and a lot of times, especially with the town of normal, we are so intentional and we want to find the right partnership 
Um, and that's critical when you're talking about doing something like a sports complex, which is a lot of money. Um, and we want to also see what else is out there. Are there any grants available? Are there any other additional ways of being funded? Um, because we do try to find ways to use less of our money um, and use other avenues to, to bring money to our community to do such projects, because this will be a huge undertaking for us um, if we as we move forward. And so we need to make sure that, and, and we know we've taught, had the conversation, this is going to require a public par- a private partnership. Um, but what's gonna be key in this is it's the right partnership um, that's gonna fit for our community and help us grow. Well, longtime listeners will know, just to throw out my uh, conflict of interest disclaimer here, I'm, I'm very involved with the sports complex uh, on the Illinois Fire Juniors Board and, and actively working on this. So uh, I, I echo what you're saying on the, uh, this has been a 15-year conversation, uh, many years, and, and and we're working really hard on it, but it, it's very tough in the COVID environment. And, and uh, you know, I, I wish we had it a, a couple of years ago, but we're, we're fighting through it. Um, want to turn away from the economic uh, incentives and development and turn more towards downtown, uh, or I'm sorry, uptown normal uh, conversations. Um, when when you look at kind of the the roundabout, you know, there's been some certainly some controversy on different buildings that are there, uh, proposed buildings, et cetera. Uh, everything ranging from that open uh, first floor to the existing building to the new trails east, um, the mural, and all that. Would love to hear kind of your thoughts uh, on those those buildings in the future for Uptown on the roundabout. Sure. Um, this is something that is very interesting. We, you know, with developers, we always hope that when they lay out plans, everything goes accordingly to plan. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. And um that's probably one of the biggest heartbreaks in this situation, especially with the first floor and one, you know, and one uptown. Um, we worked to hope that this developer would bring about their vision in the down that that lower level. And they have not. Um, the town hasn't necessarily lost out um, from that, but it would be better if we had someone there. And it's more attractive. Um, versus having that empty space. I will say that the town has made great use of the space, you know, to to not make it just look like this empty space, um, especially during COVID. They had a wonderful display at the holiday time. So I don't know if anyone got a, a chance to see it. Um, so, you know, we've tried to, you know, we're still working with that developer and hopefully they will find the right whatever they're looking for to fill that space. But certainly we do need to see some movement and would love to see movement on that. Um, And I'm excited about the trail East, you know, COVID happening is slowed down some processes here, but um, I'm looking forward to, you know, the groundbreaking. Has it been painful for some things? Yes. Um, I think the conversation on the mural, there's always that sentimental piece. Um, that came with it for for some for some people it wasn't uh the some of the things to know is you know that wall was going to eventually have to come down um because tuck pointing and things of that nature what i think we need to understand and, and start to to have a conversation around um locally is in most communities public art actually has to be contracted in most cities so for that to have even gone up goes to show how open we are as a community. Um, and, you know, we're trying to stay that way. And the downside is when people make certain things like that litigious, 
then that's when policy has to be put in place. And then at least people who want a more open community, you know, then they get hurt in the long run. So I think that's the one part that kind of kind of hurts, you know, so it'll we'll be we'll see what happens from that. Um, as well as, you know, I think there's all, you know, we wanted that center of the circle to kind of have a consistent look and feel, um, keeping some of the more outlier areas um, with the more traditional or, you know, look that historic look, if you will. Um, that's kind of been the thought process um, in, in building that out. Uh, so I, I just hope that people give it a chance and an opportunity to see what can come. Um, having a space that's not being utilized um, in that way where it's yielding anything at the moment and it turn into something um, and actually adds value, which means more property tax uh, money coming from it. That, those are the things we want to see. We want to see. I think what people fail to realize sometimes is when we have stuff like that, it also helps with the, the tax burden the, on individuals. When we have more businesses who pay the higher ratings within the, you know, for um, property tax, then our ability to not have to raise a levy and things like that come along too. So there it's, it's, it's a, one of the, I call it a double-edged short sword, you know, do for some people, they want the bedroom community and others, they, um, they're okay with and, and understand how economic development kind of gives a community a little bit more balance to grow. And, you know, the town of normal has always focused on live and play. And I think that's what they're trying to build in that one spacing of, of Uptown, a place where you can work, live, and play. Very good. I'm sure we're going to talk more about Uptown, but we are just over halfway through the podcast already. So um, when we get to this point, we do like to play a little game called Rapid Fire, and uh, it is Jeremy's favorite, so I always let him run the show here. Uh, Jeremy, I'll kick it over to you. Sure. So just going to uh, shout out some topics to you. Um, hit us with the first thing that comes to your mind, kind of, you know, a couple words, no more than five words sort of thing. Keep it short and simple and, and we'll move through them. Um, so the first topic is Uptown Normal. I love it. Uh, Connect Transit. Can't wait to see it grow. Rivian. Uh, into the future we go. ISU. The heart of us. The sports complex. Our future. Urban sprawl. Hmm. Normal is becoming. Constitution Trail. The artery of us. One we've talked quite a bit about, economic development. It is our oil. Very good. All right. And like I said, I'm sure we'll revisit some of those in the second half here. Uh, but before we do, we will want to make sure we bring up uh, the topic that's on all of our minds over the last year, and that's COVID and the pandemic. Um, talk me through what how, how you think normal and you being on the city council or the town council has handled COVID from the beginning, uh, from the early stages back in March or April of last year uh, to today how you would kind of grade your, yourself and the, and the council as a whole on how you guys have handled it. And then any plans that you have moving past it to help, uh, you know, recovery, not just of businesses, but individuals that may have lost jobs or, or, or had their own sacrifices made. I'll let you talk through that a little bit. 
Yeah, so um, this is where I, I hate doing the grade scale, but because this, this was so different, you know, um, none of us who are now have lived through a pandemic. Um, and I think some of the pandemics that have existed were not at the level of what, we're, what we just experienced. Um, I think we did the best of what we could to honestly balance between um, the safety and welfare of our residents and the economic welfare of our community as a whole, um, which is a very hefty balance. Um, and one thing that I've shared before, and I think we certainly now understand more that health is wealth. Um, if people aren't healthy, they can't go to work, um, which hurts businesses, whether they're open or closed. Um, and if people aren't able to to work, they can't purchase goods and services, which help, hurts our businesses. So th- there's there's you have to have this balance. And I think even now with what we know, we still don't know what that finite balance would be. Um, I think it's something you you do in a sense, you kind of do the best you can to make sure that you are balancing the two. Um, I think we certainly, for the most part, for most of us, we did lean on the experts because we're used to doing that. You know, none of us are experts in public works. None of us are experts in parks and rec. So we know what it's like to lean on experts to navigate us um, and give their their most sound and advice and opinion on things. Um, and so we, we, we listened to that. We worked well. Um, with our county and what they knew. We worked well with um, the state. We also, many of us, um, myself, and certainly the city manager were on many of calls with Illinois Municipal League. So we were hearing information um, from across the state. We were on calls for the National League of Cities. So we're hearing what's going on across the country. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, there were some places that were doing some things different, but you will also find out that there was a lot of places that were doing the same things that we were. Um, I think each city is different. So what their concerns are were different. Um, you had um, towns that are nothing but tourist attraction type towns. Um, so what they did may have been a little bit different from um, some small town in the South that, is, you know, School, there's one school, you know, one middle school, one elementary, one high school, maybe um, a a factory, you know, so every place was kind of different in that aspect of what, what, you know, who were, who were the residents, what is the resident makeup, Um, a lot of the, what we did find is a lot of, of the university communities were doing the same thing, because you have students who come from all over now in one location. Um, So I think we could we could try to take apart and say what we did wrong or what we did right. I think some of it was, you know, we wish we had more access to PPE. Um, I think that's something and, and communities had no control over that. Um, many of us wish we could have had a vaccine <laughs> um, before, you know, and there's some communities are still worried when it comes down to schools being open without enough vaccines for all educators and all the students that are coming into to the classroom. Um, so that's still a conversation. And so I think 
I think there'll be studies on this for years to come on what we all could have done better. Um, I think it's still too soon to say. I think we're still doing the balancing act and trying to put a best plan together to move forward and making sure our residents are safe and healthy and their welfare and well-being is um, sought after first, as well as making that our economic um, portion of the community can still thrive for the future. I appreciate you drawing the distinction because I, I think with the pandemic, there is really, there's that health component, there's that economic component. There's also a mental health, uh, you know, behavioral mm -hmm. stress uh, piece to this too. But um, staying on the economic piece, just a couple things you said, a couple cases have come up. Um, you, you got situations where some businesses chose to stay open and, and, and do things, a different approach. Um, Bloomington is using liquor commission to to levy fees and stuff. I know there's been talk about that in, in normal as well. Um, curious on your thoughts there, but then also um, with you saying, kind of listen to the experts. Um, I think one of the, the threads that I've heard from critics is saying, um, hey, we're listening to the McLean County Health Department. Is the normal view and approach different? Are those in conflict? And and you know how do you how do you walk that gray area where obviously we're all learning we're trying to work through this right but um, a business owner would would say hey I'm following I'm following what the health department's saying you're saying something different it feels political and now I'm being a hit with fines or fees I mean is that a right view or, or where do they get it wrong? So what the town of Normal has certainly. Um been a part of is being respectful and supportive of the Restore Illinois, um, which was the executive order of our state leadership. Um, and so, um, and most of that information came from information that both was from the CDC and um, IDPH. And so with that, that's where we did our guidelines. We didn't come up with anything different. The only thing is, you know, how do you make accountability? Because with the, that type of policy coming down, it came with no guidelines for accountability. Um, and I think both Normal and the city of Bloomington use kind of like the Liquor Commission because we didn't want to, you know, just say, we'll shut you down or anything like that. We want businesses to stay open, but there also has to be accountability. That's, that's anything, you know, you do you do something wrong, there's a consequence to it. And so that was the way that we felt was the best way to handle it. Um, and, and so I think people didn't understand that part of it. Um, I think there is this whole idea that because you don't agree with what leadership has done or their, the executive order that now it's null and void, um, it's it's odd because all the way up until now, any executive order, whether at a federal level or state level, was always respected until this happened. And it's like, well, now it's not law. And so that's a whole nother conversation. But I think we understand that we can't get caught up in the politics. Um, you know, we have to be respectful of what our leadership is doing because we want to show that we are a community who respects leadership. Um, at that level, whether it is, you know, our, our governor, uh, you know, with it being our governor. And so I, I think we did a good job at doing that. Um, and I, I believe that you would want to do that as a community. Um, communities are nonpartisan politics. 
we 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 don't get into the D's and the R's. We get into what our community needs, what it doesn't need. We have honest conversations. We utilize avenues like the Illinois Municipal League to help us lead in those conversations and be able to ask the poignant questions. Um, and so I think we did that. We we certainly use those avenues to ask the right questions and to um, get the answers we needed to try to make a very um, difficult decision. And I think, you know, like I said, we didn't do anything extra. We we asked that the community respect and follow um, Restore Illinois guidelines. And that was all. So what are some things that the town of Normal can do? Um, any ideas that have been circulated that can help some of these businesses rebound? Because there are businesses that, you know, have obeyed um, your the state's orders and have been shut down for a long time, uh, specifically restaurants and bars, right? Um, and when, you know, now that they're starting to open, now they have staffing issues, um, you know, still people are, you know, the occupancy issues, they can only be at, you know, a certain level of occupancy and they had added costs, of course, to put in, you know, barriers between booths and, uh, proper PPE. So, you know, money going out, not enough money coming in. Um, is there anything that on a local level, the town can do to help, you know, get a shot in the arm for those businesses? Yeah, and I think we've we've d- done at least one step, and I and I I honestly believe it's just the first layer, the first um, iteration, if you will. Um, when we did our grants a couple of weeks, well, probably about a month ago now, um, you know, we told businesses whatever amounts of money you had to push out or you lost, you know, fill out this form. And most of our businesses actually receive, you know, funding for their their losses. Um, you know, a lot of that also comes with because the town, you know, in a sense, we're a business too, and we lost out on revenues. So we're looking for that additional A. We're hoping that the federal government um, pushes through this next next package. Um, there's always the question on what does that look like? Because what people fail to realize is, Sometimes with federal packages, sometimes it goes directly to the community, like the CARES Act money did um, fall directly to the communities, but sometimes it has to be filtered through the state. So that's where it gets sticky, but we're hoping that this next segment of money brings more money that we can once again do another iteration of some sort of maybe some grants um, to help with our businesses. Um, And some of it is just putting, really pushing out you know, certain messaging, you know, asking that the community still stick with us and wearing your mask, you know, practice social distancing. Um, Yes, I know it's a pain that we're at 25% now, but let's stick with it as we get more people vaccinated. On my end, you know, for those of us who are involved in these consortiums, push for the the vaccinations to be more in our community um, and, and, you know, push for us to get more, um, I think those things are going to be crucial and critical as we move forward. I, I believe we'll probably be at 50% soon, but it takes all of us. I think we can no longer just blame government or a one particular entity. This is really an effort that takes all of us being true community partners um, and, and doing our part in order to get out of this and get out of it safely. 
All right. Well, we have about seven to 10 minutes left of the podcast, and I always want to make sure I hit on some key points that I know are going to come up between now and the campaign. Uh, One of them that's been consistent as we talk uh, with other candidates is Connect Transit. Um, Some on the normal town council have been very critical of Connect Transit, and I just want to get your take on how they have done um, as an organization and the board over the last year or two, and then where you see them being part of the community in the future. They're going to be very critical in our community as we move forward. Um, I, I believe we'll continue to grow. We'll never, I think there's always this myth that we're, we're trying to be a Chicago. I don't think we'll ever be that way. Um, but I do think there's going to be more growth. Um, we'll always be a small to mid-sized community, but in being that, you know, um, public transportation is going to be vital. The other thing is that there have been studies done that this next generation, less of them are driving. Um, and less more of them are using Ubers. They are using tr- public transportation um, and, and finding different modes of, of, of transportation. Um, so we know that that's going to be crucial. As their performance goes, I think, you know, there's growth there and they're learning to grow and they're learning to adapt. Um, you know, what worked before is not working now. Um, and, and they're addressing that. And I, I certainly appreciate some of the conversations that I've had with many of them. Um, and how do we move forward? Um, I think that um, I, I love that they did with the connect to the future group um, and have been, and, you know, I hope that our community is responsive to some of the requests um, because it takes some of that as well, um, because it's going to take more funding. And I, I know that's a hard topic to have right now in the in the pandemic. But the reality is um, for them to be at their best, you know, every dollar will count. And we know that they're leaving dollars on the floor because, um, you know, we're not maximizing our portion of what we give to them. So I, I, I look forward to doing that and, and seeing how much more we add value to our Connect Transit system and growing our um, public transportation system. Okay. Uh, how how well do you, would you say the Town of Normal works with ISU now? Is there anything uh, that could help um, – develop that relationship further and build more, more of a partnership than what is already there. There's always room for growth in any relationship. So I think, you know, we can always grow in our relationship, but I think we have a really good relationship. I, I think, you know, um, I keep before I've been on council, but since I've been on council to watch that relationship um, evolve and, and continue to grow has been amazing. Um, I, I know there's people who are against some of the things we do because like well, we're using taxpayer dollars, but it's it's a it's always a give and take. But that's any relationship. I mean, it's the realities of relationships. Um, and so I, I think I, I can't wait to see how much more we're going to do. You know, I talked about the grant money for COVID-19 when we brought that to ISU, they even, you know, added a, another component, help some businesses get up and running online and things of that nature as part of some of that grant, um, that grant help. And so once again, that was because of the partnership we have. And that's just one thing, that, but there's so many things else that we partner on. And so I just want to see what, what more we can do and what more we can accomplish. I know there's some talks about some things we're going to do in the information and technology um, area and space because, you know, I mentioned it and I barely hit on it, but with us moving to doing more smart city work uh, and being more in the day space, 
we need their expertise because we don't, you know, that's not usually the expertise of a, of a governmental entity, but it's going to be crucial as we move forward. Very good. All right, I'm going to kick it over to Jeremy in just a second, see if he has any final questions for you. But um, we did ask uh, another candidate. So being your unique situation of already serving on council, I want to get your, your thoughts on where we are, where are we with Uptown 2.0? Uh, has have you changed your mind on any of the thinking along that over the last years and especially with COVID kind of throwing the curveball you know priorities for everybody um, but where are we with that and where do you see that um, developing over the next four years? Sure well first of all thank you so much for calling it uh, Uptown 2.0 because it's more than just an overpass um, it, it is that whole development of the south end of the tracks and I have not changed my opinion on it at all I think we have a prime opportunity to to do more economic development to do finally some um, equitable diverse housing options on that side you know there's so much we can do um, adding more green space and, and finding some, some new ways to, to utilize space within our community. So I'm still excited about it right now. Um, as we move forward, you know, there's always money issues or things. So we're, we're waiting on that. We have received some grants. Um, we haven't even gotten a final design yet on what that's going to look like. So it, it's, it is a process. It's one, it is going to take us longer than probably, some people would like, but I think at the end when it's it's done, kind of like what we see now with Uptown, you know, you'll sit back 10 years from now and be like amazed at what we were able to accomplish. Uh, you, you you alluded to this earlier and I say it all the time. Government never moves fast enough for me, but that's <laughs> 100% true. So, Jeremy, did you, uh, did you have any other questions for Kimberly? Well, sure. Can you give us, uh, for all of our listeners out there, if they're wanting to find more information about you, where do they go? How do they, how do they get information and find out your views, platforms, et cetera? Sure. Right now, um, I'm just on uh, Facebook, and it's Kimberly Cummings, Town of Normal. Um, and so there'll be more to come. Actually, this is an exciting week coming up. So hopefully you'll stay tuned um, to see all the ways to be in touch, as well as ways that people who would like to can donate to the um, campaign. Oh, some excitement, some cliffhangers. I like that. <laughs> so uh, one, one last thing I want to I talk about is we wouldn't be able to do these podcasts without um, our sponsor, which is Little Beaver Brewery. Little Beaver is located in at 5 Finance Drive in Bloomington. Uh, they are open 11 to 8 p.m. every day, and they were gracious enough to sponsor the entire election edition of this podcast. So we want to make sure we thank them uh, for their sponsorship. Be sure to check them out. They have uh, food. They have pizza, burgers, salads. Um, they're very family friendly, 24 beers on tap. So we thank them for their sponsorship. Little Beaver Brewery at 5 Finance Drive in Bloomington. So, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. Did you have anything else you want to make sure our listeners are aware of? I want all of your listeners to go out and vote on April 6th. It is so important, no matter who you vote for. Our local elections are really voting for those people who touch your life the most. Um, and it's the most closest to you. So I encourage you to go out and vote on April 6th. I certainly would love for you to cast a vote for me on April 6th, Kimberly Cummings, running for the town of normal, because I'm here to build for our future. All right. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for joining us. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and we wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. You guys have a wonderful weekend as well. Right, well thank you.